All right, let's open our Bibles together now to Genesis chapter 46. Genesis 46. Beginning in verse 1. And Israel took his journey with all that he had and came to Beersheba and offered sacrifices unto the God of his father Isaac. And God spake unto Israel in the visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, Here am I. And he said, I am God, the God of thy father. Fear not to go down into Egypt, for I will there make of thee a great nation. I will go down with thee into Egypt, and I will also surely bring thee up again. And Joseph shall put his hand upon thine eyes. And Jacob rose up from Beersheba, and the sons of Israel carried Jacob their father, and their little ones and their wives in the wagons which Pharaoh had sent to carry him. We'll end our reading there. Let's bow before our Lord together. Our Father, we come into your presence this evening with a grateful and a thankful heart. How thankful we are. So thankful that human language can't express it. The sinful men and women, such as us, can come into your presence and call you our Father. We know it's only because of our Lord Jesus Christ, and we dare only plead his obedience as our only righteousness. We dare only plead his blood, his blood alone as the atonement for our sin. And Father, how we thank you for a Savior who saves, completely and utterly saves his people from their sin. And Father, how thankful we are that you've given us this opportunity to come together in the middle of the week and to have a refreshing from your word to one more time hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I pray you'd bless your word as it's preached. Bless it to your glory. Bless it to the hearts of your people, for the good of your people, for our life, for our comfort, for our instruction, to increase our faith by enabling us to see more of Christ our Savior. Father, we're so thankful for this opportunity to worship and beg of you that you'd bless it. And Father, we pray for those of our number who are in times of great difficulty, the recovering from sickness. We think of our sister Peg Wooten, that Father, you be with her in a special way. Continue to heal and strengthen her, we pray. Others, Father, need you especially. We're thankful to know these things have not come by accident, but according to your eternal will and purpose. Father, we pray that you'd heal, comfort, and deliver your people as soon as it could be thy will. Father, we're thankful for the many, many, many blessings of this life. How richly that you blessed us. We pray that you'd always give us a grateful and thankful attitude for everything that you've so freely given to us. And Father, again, we, we beg of thee that this evening you give us an hour of true worship, that you send your spirit upon us and able to worship you in spirit and in truth. For it's in Christ's name, for his sake and his glory we pray. Amen. I've titled the message this evening, Fear not, Jacob. 
Our text tonight gives us a sweet promise of the gospel to every believer. The promise that we just read, that's a promise of the God of Jacob to Jacob personally. But it's also a promise to all of God's Jacobs, all of his objects of mercy and grace and love. Now, Jacob is 130 years old. I, I should have counted up. I don't know how many years he thought Joseph is dead. And now suddenly he hears, not only is Joseph alive, but he's king down in Egypt. And this 130-year-old man is getting ready to make a long journey from Canaan all the way down to Egypt. Now, you know, these, these stories that we read in the Old Testament, they're pictures of Christ, but we have to remember these things happen to real people. A 130-year-old man is worried about making that journey. I mean, he worries it. Can his body take it? Is he going to live long enough, you know, to get there? I've never been 130 years old. But I just bet you, when you're 130 years old, you don't count on tomorrow like a young person does. And there also had to be some fear and some doubt in Jacob's heart about Joseph. He spent years thinking Joseph is dead. And now he hears Joseph is alive? I mean, is he? I mean, really? Is he really alive? Maybe this man's an imposter. Maybe he fooled, you know, the brothers. I mean, after all these years, Jacob's going to wonder, can I tell for sure when I see this man if he's my son Joseph or not? You know, I've heard about a child, a young boy. He was very young, and he was abducted from his family. Many years later, he was an older teenager, he was found and returned back to his family. And the family wondered, now is this really our son? Is this really our child? You know, after all these years, his looks have changed. His looks have matured. Uh, his personality, the way that, that he would think is different because who raised him? Jacob must have worried, could that be going on here? I mean, will I know for sure if this is my son Joseph, you know, when I see him? He just, it just had to keep going through his mind. How can this be that he's alive when I thought he's been dead all these years? You know, there are so many real fears and concerns for Jacob to think about, wasn't there? And you know, the same thing is true of you and me. Now, there are a lot of legitimate concerns that we have about the future. We worry what's going to happen for our children. I worry a great deal, spend a lot of time in prayer about it. What's going to happen to the next generation of this church? What's going to happen to our country? You know, we're always just sure our country's on the precipice of, you know, democracy falling apart. What's going to happen? We worry about ourselves. Will I remain faithful? Will I remain faithful to the gospel? Why? Why I remain faithful in trials and heartaches that are promised to me? They're sure to come. When they come, will I remain faithful? Or will I turn away? No, I know. I know this. In reality, the believer has nothing to fear, do we? We have nothing to fear. David said, I will not fear what flesh shall do unto me. I won't fear it because God's my God. Brother Marvin Stoniker famously says over and over again, Romans 8.28 is always Romans 8.28. Now, we know that, don't we? And we believe that. Now, we do. We believe that. Every person here believes that that to be true. Yet still, the believer's mind is often troubled. 
Isn't that right? Our minds are often troubled. Of course it is. Anybody that says different probably ain't telling you the truth. And that's why the Lord tells Jacob, fear not. He knows these fears are in Jacob's heart and in his mind. And he says, fear not. Don't excessively worry about these things. And I see four things in our text that will help us fear not and will calm our fears when we do fear. Number one is this. When you fear, worship God. Verse 1, Genesis 46. And Israel took his journey with all that he had and came to Beersheba and offered sacrifices unto the God of his father, Isaac. Now Jacob begins his long journey and he begins it by worshiping God. He begins it by offering a sacrifice. Now I think it's interesting just in these six verses, both of Jacob's names are used repeatedly in this. Jacob, that's the, the picture of the flesh, the picture of the old man. That's the man that fears. And then there's Israel. He's a picture of the new man, the new man that worships God and trusts God. But now since Jacob and Israel are both here, <laughs> there's going to be fears. There's going to be doubts. There's going to be a time that we need God to tell us, fear not. And I see this in scripture and it's something that I have experienced for my own self. I can tell you when we fear, the best thing for us is to worship God. And Jacob's offering a sacrifice because God can only be worshipped by the sacrifice, through the sacrifice of Christ. Jacob, just like Abel, just like Abraham, just like Isaac, they worship God with animal sacrifices. They're pictures of Christ. They offered those animal sacrifices knowing what they were doing, knowing they're looking forward to the sacrifice of Christ, the Lamb of God. Now today... We don't offer animal sacrifices. The time of offering animal sacrifices is over because Christ, our Passover, has been slain for us. So today we worship God. It's still through the sacrifice. It's through the preaching of the sacrifice of Christ. It's the preaching of Christ and Him crucified. We worship God by telling people, reminding each other about the sacrifice of Christ. What did Christ accomplish when He was sacrificed for the sins of His people? By faith, we look back on the sacrifice of Christ, don't we? But whether it's us here or Jacob then, we're all looking to Christ. We're all looking to that blood sacrifice because God can only be worshipped by a blood sacrifice. The blood of Christ is everything a guilty sinner needs. It's the blood of Christ that atones. Leviticus 17 verse 11 says, For it's the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. The blood of Christ atones. It's the blood of Christ that redeems us. Ephesians 1, 7 says, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Oh, God's gracious. Oh, he's gracious to sinners. But they can't be redeemed without the blood, can they? It's the blood that cleanses us from sin. 1 John 1 says, the blood. Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. The great disinfectant, the blood of Christ, cleanses us from all sin. It's the blood that justifies. Romans 5, 9, being now justified by his blood. 
we should be saved from wrath through him. It's the blood of Christ that honors every attribute of God. The blood honors God's justice and at the same time honors God's mercy. The blood of Christ satisfies God's justice so that God can now show mercy to sinners and still be holy when he does it. The blood of Christ satisfies both God's need and man's need. You think of that. The blood of Christ satisfies God's holy, just, merciful character. And at the same time, it's the blood of Christ that satisfies man's great need for mercy and redemption and grace. Now, there are a lot of things that I worry about. But Charlie, I never worry about the sacrifice of Christ. Never. I never fear that the blood of Christ will not be enough to redeem me or cleanse me from my sin. Verse 2, God spake unto Israel in the visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, here am I. Now God speaks directly to Jacob. He speaks audibly to Jacob. God doesn't do that anymore, but this night he spoke audibly to Jacob. But you know, God's still speaking. He doesn't speak audibly anymore, but he still speaks, doesn't he? He speaks today by his word. He speaks to his people by the preaching of Christ. And I tell you, if you want to hear from God, if you want to hear from God, him telling your heart, fear not, I tell you, I'd make it a point to be here when the gospel's preached because this is how God speaks to his people today. It's by the preaching of his word. And God's message to Jacob was fear not. The message of the gospel that we preach today, fear not, fear not. There's nothing to fear if we trust in Christ. Absolutely nothing. Now you should fear if you're trusting that your own works will be good enough for God to accept you. If that's your hope, you should fear. But you don't have to fear anything if you're trusting Christ. His obedience is perfect and you always be accepted in Him. Always. And when I worship God and I hear the preaching of Christ crucified, at least for a little while, all my fears vanish away. How can they not vanish away in light of the Savior, in light of Christ crucified. When I hear of him crucified for me, I'm reminded there's nothing to fear. All right, number two. When you fear, trust the covenant God. Verse three said, and he said, I am God, the God of thy father. Fear not to go down into Egypt, for I will there make of thee a great nation. Now, God identified himself to Jacob as the God of your father. I'm the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac. Now, that's the covenant God. God who made a promise to Abraham. Abraham, you're going to have a son. And the Messiah is going to come through that son. The Savior of sinners is going to come through that son. And that's what thrilled Abraham's soul. That's the promise that he was hanging on to. The Messiah is going to come through his son. And God also promised Abraham that he'd give the land of Canaan to his descendants. And God confirmed that promise to Isaac. And then he confirmed it again to Jacob. This is God's covenant. This is his promise. God was telling these men in advance what he was going to do. This is my purpose. I promise you I'm going to do it. Now God is a covenant God. 
And what that means is God does what he promised to do before time began. God is never reacting to what we do and constantly correcting the course to keep his purpose you know, on track. God is doing what he promised to do. Now you can count on this. If Almighty God made a promise, he will keep that promise. He will. There's too many to, to count, but to, to list, but let me give you a few of God's promises. God has promised to save a sinful people by the obedience and by the sacrifice of his son. God's promised to do that. He's going to do it. He's going to do it. God has promised that he's going to call people out. He's going to give his people life and faith in Christ, and he's going to do it by them hearing another sinful man preach Christ crucified. They're going to hear the gospel, and God's going to make sure that they're going to believe it. He promised to do that. Now I'm telling you, he's going to do it. He's going to do it. God has promised to keep those people. He promised to keep them by the power of faith through grace. That's his promise. Now he's going to do it. I know every believer constantly fears, I'm going to fall away. And you know why we fear that? We start looking at ourselves. We start looking at our strength. We start looking at the strength of our faith. God's promise is he's going to keep his people by his power, not ours. That's his promise. Now he's going to do it. He's going to do it. God has promised that he's going to strengthen and edify his people. Just like the shepherd takes the sheep to, to a meadow to feed so they can grow and be healthy and be fed, God's promised he's going to feed his people. I'm going to feed them. I'm going to take care of them all the way home. But he's going to do it. God has promised that when his people have fears, he's going to comfort them. And he's going to do it by the preaching of Christ. It's his promise. Now he's going to do it. And he promised ultimately he's going to take his people out of this world and he's going to glorify them together with his son. That's God's promise. And you can bank everything on this. He's going to do it. He'll not fail to bring one of them home. Now again, there are a lot of things I worry about. But I never worry about God keeping his promise. If Almighty God has purposed to do something, he's going to do it. And none can stay his hand or say to him, what doest thou? If God has purposed to save my sorry, sinful soul, he's going to do it. I'll be saved. And the same thing holds true for all of God's elect. Not one of them is ever going to be lost. Not one of them. Because God promised to save them. And when you fear, a great cure for our fears is trusting God to do what he said he'd do, to keep his promise. He's the covenant God. Then thirdly, when you fear, when you fear and you don't understand, well, that's a big problem with us, isn't it? I wouldn't fear if I understood where this thing's going to end up, how God's going to work all this together. When you fear, because you don't understand, Trust God's providential dealings with us. In verse 3, he said, I am God, the God of thy father. Fear not to go down into Egypt. 
For I will there make of thee a great nation. I will go down with thee into Egypt, and I will also surely bring thee up again. Now, like I said earlier, Jacob had to have some fear about this trip. There are things about this trip he feared because he didn't understand. Jacob had to think, now wait a minute, God promised my granddaddy that he'd going to give this land of Canaan to his descendants. He promised my grandfather Abraham that. He promised, confirmed that promise to my father. He confirmed that promise to me and my grandfather, my father, and me have all gotten in trouble whenever we left this land. I mean, it's just never turned out good for us when we left this land. But now, God's leading me out of this land? Leading me to Egypt? Leading me to the picture of sin and bondage to, to sin? Jacob didn't understand that. He, on purpose, left Laban's house and came back to Canaan, back to the land of promise in faith. Because he believed God. God said, you go back home to the land of Canaan. And Jacob did it in faith. And he'd been there a long time now, hadn't he? And now, he's leaving the land that the Lord promised to give him. Jacob had to think, how can that be right? Is this really the right thing for me to do? I don't understand. God told me to come here. Now he's telling me to leave. I don't understand. There was a, uh, when I was a kid, I had a album of uh, some musician and it was a live recording. And in that album, he was uh, introducing the members of the band and he introduced some fella and he said, he's from the great state of confusion. Boy, that's me. I mean, I'm confused most of the time, aren't you? The great state of confusion. What is God doing? I don't understand. And that makes me fear. That's just, it's sinful doubt. I, I, you know, I shouldn't fear no, no matter what, but I fear because I don't understand. How, how can this be? How can, how, how can this be right? That's what's going through Jacob's mind. And God comes to him and he says, fear not. And here's why you fear not. I'll be with you. Now, Jacob, I'm going to be with you. I'll keep my promise to you. I'm the one that's going to bring you down to Egypt. And I'm going to bring you back out too. I'm going to make of thee a great nation down there. And I'm going to bring your descendants back to this land and give it to them. Just exactly like I promised. I'll be with you. I'll be with That's why you fear not. I will be with you. I don't have to understand. This is something I remind myself all the time. I don't have to understand. Nowhere in the word of God does he tell us understand. What he says is trust me. Believe me. The Lord's promise is I'll be with you. What are you afraid of then? Huh? Things happen to us. And we're like Jacob. We think, this can't possibly be the right thing. This can't, why is this happening? I don't see how this can possibly be God's purpose. And God's promise to all of us Jacobs is the same promise he made to Jacob all those years ago. You fear not. I'll be with you. 
In Hebrews 13, the Lord made this precious, precious promise to his people. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Never. The Lord's going to be with his people every step of the way, no matter where they go. No matter where. God's promise is, I'll go with you down into the valley. And while you're there, I'll be with you. And I'll be with you and I bring you back out too. I'll bring you back to the mountaintop. I'll be with you there too. I'll be the one that brings you there. Fear not. I'll be with you. Now again, there's a lot of things I worry about. But I don't ever worry about God's dealings with me. I never have to worry about this. Has God made a mistake? Of course not. Has God done wrong? Absolutely not. Whatever it is that has brought my way, I know this for a fact, God did it. God did it. And I have no doubt that God is working all these things together for good. To them that love God, to them who are the called, according to his purpose. Now, if I know anything, I know that. I know that. I believe that. I trust that. Now, most of the time, I don't see the good that God's bringing out of this. Most of the time, I don't see it. But I still know he's doing it. I still know he's working good in this. Because as our brother said, Romans 8.28 is always Romans 8.28. Now, does this event, whatever it is, happening to you, happening to me, now or in the future, whatever event it is that we're thinking about, does that event fall under all things? Does all, does that cover that? Does our circumstances, good or bad, now or in the future, whatever they might be, do they, does that fall under the heading of all things? Is that part of all? Well, yes, it does. It falls under that heading. Well, then God's the one doing it. And he's working it together for good. Isn't he? And I trust him. I trust that. And then fourthly, when you fear, trust that when it's time, the Lord will give you dying grace. Verse four, I will go down with thee into Egypt and I will also surely bring thee up again. And Joseph shall put his hand upon thine eyes. Now, when the Lord talks about laying his hand upon your eyes, what he's talking about is when Joseph dies, or when Jacob dies, Joseph is going to lay his hand on his daddy's head and close his eyes in death. That's what he's talking about. God's promise to Jacob is, I know you fear this. I know you don't understand how it can be true. You, you, you worry, is it really true? It's true. Joseph is alive and you're going to see him. You're going to see him before you die and he'll be with you when you do. He's going to be the one to close your eyes in death. Now that's God's promise to Jacob. This is one of the great things he's worrying about. Is this really Joseph? Can this really be true? And God told him. It wasn't Reuben. It wasn't Simeon. It wasn't Judah. Almighty God told him. You're going to see Joseph. And you're going to be with him till you die. He'll be with you when you die. Now you know that made Jacob feel better. Don't you? Well, if you're a believer, let me tell you about God's promise to you. When you close your eyes in death, the Lord Jesus Christ himself is going to put his hand on your face. 
He's going to open your eyes and awaken you in glory where you're going to behold his face. Now that's God's promise to you. If you believe him, that is God's promise to you. Whatever it else, whatever else it is that happens, that's how this thing's going to end up. A complete victory being made just like Christ. Is there anything you desire more than that? To be made just like him? That's what God's going to give you. That moment that you close your eyes in death. Well, that makes us feel a whole lot better, doesn't it? You know, there are a lot of things I worry about. But you know, I never worry about not waking up in glory and not looking into the face of the Savior and not being completely satisfied because he's woke me up in his likeness. That's one thing I do not have to worry about because that's his promise to his people. And Jacob heard that promise and he rose up from Beersheba, got in a wagon, he and his sons and his wives and their animals all went down to Egypt because that was God's promise to him. He trusted God. It took care of his fears. He got on the road. On the road again, he was singing. Now that is a sweet promise to every believer, to every son of Jacob. That's a sweet promise. And it's a sure promise too. I want to show you in closing why this is a sure promise to every believer. Because this is also the promise that the Father and the Son made to each other in eternity before God created anything. Before creation, the Father and the Son entered into a covenant. Now, I don't know how that took place. Did they have a conversation? Did they just know what their will was? But if we imagine them having a conversation to enter into this covenant, they did that. And the Father and the Son trusted each other as the covenant God. The Father trusted that God the Son would do what he promised to do. The Son promised that when it was time, he would become a man. He would take on him flesh and be born of a virgin. That he would become a man, and as a man, he would live under the law. And he would work out a perfect righteousness for his people. He'd obey the law for them. Just like Adam disobeyed the law for them, Christ has come, he's going to obey the law for them and make them righteous. And the son promised that he would sacrifice himself. He's going to, he's going to obey God's law perfectly to make his people righteous. And then in something no human being can understand, he's going to be made sin for his people. He's going to take the sin of his people away from them and it's going to become his. He's going to feel the guilt of it. He's going to feel the shame of it. And he's going to bear the punishment of it. He's going to suffer and die. Shed his precious blood to put that sin away so that his people can be brought back to God. That was the son's promise. This is the covenant. The covenant of God, his promise. And the father trusted him. The father is the first one to trust Christ. He trusted that the son would do what he promised to do and redeem his people from their sin. And the son trusted the father that the father would do what he promised to do. The father promised that he would accept his elect people in the righteousness and the blood of his son. It wouldn't be because of anything they did. It would be all be because of what his son did for them.
And the Father promised that he would never cast out anyone for whom Christ died. He promised he wouldn't. And really, if you think about it, there's no reason for him to cast out someone that Christ died for, is there? The death of Christ put their sin away. Well, if sin's gone, there's no reason that the Father would cast him out, is there? That was the Father's promise to the Son, and the Son trusted the Father. It's the covenant God that he would do what he promised he would do. And the Father tells his Son, now don't you be afraid to go down. Don't you be afraid to go down to earth and, and become a man, because I'll go with you. Don't be afraid to go down. I mean, down, 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 and be made sin. Don't, 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 don't fear doing that. Don't fear making yourself a sacrifice for the sin of your people, because I will make a great nation of you by your obedience. By your blood, you're going to redeem a number that no man can number. I'm going to make a great nation out of you. And I'm going to gather them together and bring them all to be with you eternally. And the father said, son, I promise you, I'll accept your sacrifice. The issue was never in doubt, was it? If you think about it, before the Savior ever finished his earthly ministry, and obeyed God's law perfectly. At the very beginning of his earthly ministry. The father spoke from heaven and said. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. There was never any question of his obedience. There was never any question that the father would accept his sacrifice. He says son. I'll put my hand upon your eyes. Now I'm going to be the one to put you to death. I'm going to be the one to thrust the sword of justice into your soul. I'm going to be the one to put you to death and I'm going to be the one to raise you back to life again too. I'm going to lay my hand on you, raise you back to life as proof I've accepted your sacrifice. Your death justified all of our people. Now that's God's covenant. That's the promise between God and God. God the Father, God the Son. And the promise of God's grace, the sweet promise of grace to all of God's people, it's sure. It's certain. It, it has to come to pass. Because that's the Father, the, 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 the promise that the Father and the Son made to each other. And since they're both God, they can't lie. That's why this thing of, of salvation by grace in Christ is sure. It's the promise of the triune God. I don't know about you. That calms my fears right down, doesn't you? It puts everything in perspective. I hope the Lord will use that to comfort your heart. Just like it did mine as I studied that this week. Alright, let's bow together. Our Father, oh how we thank you for this precious portion of your word. This precious promise to Jacob and all your other Jacobs. The objects of your mercy and grace. Father, how we thank you. How we thank you that you have Pity on our frame. We're but dust. That's all we are, dust. We shouldn't fear, but we do. So how thankful we are that you tell us in, in your word, fear not. Father, cause us to trust you. Cause us to look to you. Oh, if, we're, if we're looking at you, 
we don't see anything to be afraid of. If we're trusting you, there's, there's no reason that our heart would ever fear. Father, bless your word, I pray. Bless it for your glory. And bless it to the hearts of your people that, that our hearts might be comforted. That we might always be reminded to look to Christ and Christ alone. Is it his blessed name? For his sake we pray. Amen. All right, Sean.